Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to Listen Money Matters. One simple way to not worry about wealth is not to have it. <laughs> my name is Thomas, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Andrew. How are you? And what you drinking, man? Good. Uh, I actually want to try something. Um, okay. On the count of three, I want to say what we're both drinking at the same time. Okay. Are you like, are you getting ready to make fun of me for kale juice or something? Damn it. I was going to yell kale juice. Are you drinking kale juice? <laughs> uh, I was just going to yell kale juice. Oh my God. You're, you ruined it. That's, that's. Are you straight up? Are you actually drinking kale juice? No, that's like gross, for real? dude. No, I'm drinking. Come on. It's really early here. We got a lot of episodes. So I'm just drinking tea from Trader Joe's. Oh, okay. Nope. I thought that was a pint glass of wine for a second. <laughs> it should be. It should be. That's that's uh, next hour. We'll wait to the third episode that's for right. that one. What are you drinking? I actually, it wouldn't have worked this uh, for you today because I'm drinking yerba mate. So mm. I don't know what that is. It's like a. Oh, what is it? It's 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 like a stimulant, but it isn't tea and it isn't coffee. It's like a different thing. It's really popular in um, Brazil. I'm pretty sure. But oh, what is it? Like I think it's it's literally its own plant. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, comes from the rainforest holly tree in South America. So, yeah, it's just it's basically an alternative to to coffee or tea or whatever or you know, drug of choice mm. or kale. <laughs> you know, yeah, all sorts of leafy things. Um, some people say that it's you know healthier for you than coffee or healthier than for you than tea or something. I don't really know. But I think it's pretty good. So cool. And it just adds to like the, you know, hipster Whole Foodsness of <laughs> But yes. Uh, so our catchphrase today actually came from Twitter. So I gotta thank the person who sent it to us at Paul Highlands. Thank you for that catchphrase. And if anybody else listening uh, wants to get their catchphrases on the show, you can tweet them to us over at, at Money Matters Man on Twitter or email us. Our email is listenmoneymatters at gmail.com where you can also send questions about personal finance if you have them. That helps us to create new show topics. So thank you if you do that. Also, Andrew crazily likes to answer emails. So. <laughs> I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> well, I guess you don't have a full-time job anymore. So I don't. So uh, yeah. It's now answering emails. If you don't email me, <laughs> I literally have nothing to do all day. So. <laughs> cool. Well, guys, today we are doing a this financial life. I'm not sure how long it's been since we've done one, but uh, these are always fun episodes to do. Dig into somebody's personal finances, see what they're doing, what they could be doing better, what they're already crushing it at. And uh, Brock, our guest today, seems to already be crushing it because Brock, I have your spreadsheet open here, and the fact that you have a spreadsheet means you're already ahead. But apparently, you also have already crushed a mortgage on a house, which is pretty yes. awesome. Uh, you don't look like you've owned a house for 30 years at this point, so that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so how long did it take you to crush your mortgage? Um, Pretty much five years, almost on the dot. Wow. How, how much was that? Damn. I mean, I mean, five years, if you had like a $50,000 mortgage, would be pretty ambitious. Um, was your mortgage $50,000? <laughs> no, um, the mortgage itself was two sixty. The home was three twenty five. so we did the good old-fashioned 20% down. And 260 was the balance left on that whenever we took it out. And it took you five years to pay off $260,000. Yes. Plus whatever interest. Yes. That's incredible. So, so what sort of like, what sort of setup re was required to pay that off? Were you like 
putting every extra dollar to the mortgage and eating rice and beans or (laughs) (laughs) excuse me we weren't quite eating rice and beans but um it so the process kind of started whenever we're looking at rates and just kind of understanding what our extra money was at the time and taking in my wife's conservative uh behavior um i was probably a little bit more um of the spender in a house and I, I needed to wrangle that in and um, make sure that we we're all going to be happy to make our marriage work. Yeah. So we bought the house pretty much, you know, the week we got married and when we were going through the rates, it's like eh, that, that seven year variable looks really nice. And, you know, knowing some, you know, having some financial background, I've blogged about it in the past um, in you know, related areas and it's, one of the things I, I knew, you know, seven year variable wasn't gonna get me in trouble. You know, the, the okay. cap's 8%, um, you know, it was like 3.3% at the time. That's so good. a lot now, can change. What does the seven year variable mean? Does that mean it's a mortgage that is literally seven years long or is it like 30 with some no, seven was, year period of something? Yeah, 30 year um, where after year seven, that rate can change. Oh, so it's locked in for seven years Yes, and then variable for the other 23, assuming you don't pay it off faster. Yep. So I looked oh. at that as a challenge that, Hey, we could knock out a good chunk of this in seven years. And if, um, you know, whatever reason the environment changes, that's a lot of time to get out of that. Um, whether that be, we move or, you know, refi at some point, but, um, it was nice to kind of put that target up there. So yeah, the initial target was, to knock this out in seven, but have that fallback of this is still a 30 year loan. So the principal's not, you know, jacked up like it would be if it really was a seven. Yeah. That's cool. And then, so you decide to pay it off in five anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I'm curious because we, on this show before, I don't know how many episodes you've listened to. um, Andrew and I have had debates on the merits of paying off a mortgage early or not. And I think that the position I usually come to is like a mortgage interest rate is usually so low and you're paying it off for so long that it doesn't make sense to try to pay it off early uh, versus putting money in the stock market and, you know, kind of reaping the benefits of that spread between what you'd make there versus what you're paying on the interest rate. Um, Of course, there's always psychological reasons. So I'm curious to hear like what compelled you to try to pay it off so fast. Yeah. So, um, you know, great point too, because I certainly debate that. Um, debated it with a lot of friends and I, I agree with the whole con you know, the, the stock market concept. Um, the way we looked at it was my wife keep maxing out your 401k like you have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the month we had X amount of money that was just available. Yeah. I'd, I would have preferred to go into real estate or, you know, do something with it off, you know, outside of the stock market. Um, she did not have that appetite. So if I had this money, I could go, it could easily blow it because it, you know, as you sit on cash, there's a lot of things can come up. A lot of ideas come up, yep. you know, a new, <laughs> some remodeling, uh, or we could just put it to use and knock out the mortgage. So um, she didn't want to invest because you had debt and that, that I guess was weighing on her. Yeah, she definitely, you know, neither one of us like debt, credit cards, student loans, um, everything else was pretty much knocked out by the time we, you know, we'd got married. Um, we both li- lived pretty, you know, normal lives and had pretty well-paying jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it was, you know, what do we do with that extra? And what I would have preferred to have done with it was getting into something outside of, you know, locking everything up in stocks was go real estate or something. Um, she preferred not to. So I said, well, let's put this money against debt instead of investing it or letting it sit there. So uh, most of my life, I think uh, like the biggest expense was taxes and then very close was either like mortgage or rent. So I'm curious, what do you pay in like yearly property taxes? Uh, and like, what was your mortgage payment? Yeah. So, um, property taxes, insurance altogether was about $5,000. Mm-hmm. Um, the mortgage payment was 1200. Okay. So, so now all you have to pay is five grand property taxes per year or like 416 yeah. a month, which like has freed up quite a lot of capital every month. So exactly. that that's like an interesting way to optimize it. Cause you're still young. So you have like exactly. a long time, like Probably thir- you're oh, 30, 36, 36. You have about 30 years until you retire still. Um, but I guess the question is like now that you have no real home payment, does your wife, is she on board investing? Yeah. Yeah. We're so, well, we also had two kids since then. So it's certainly that adds to um, where we will look to start using that extra money that we have now that the mortgage is off. Um, so, you know, we want to get that all set up. You know, we certainly were saving a little bit here and there uh, for the kids, but it's time to kind of replenish the reserves. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels really good knowing that there's no, you know, like you said, behind, besides like the 400 some dollars a month, we've got to put aside for taxes and then, you know, like insurances and stuff like that. Um, a lot of what we come in is pretty much can go to whatever we need to put it to. You know that. That brings up something I haven't thought about before, Andrew, because mm. we always have this debate on payoff debt quicker versus invest. Um, and we, we mentioned the psychological aspect of maybe just wanting to be out of debt. And certainly that was a pretty big thing for me as a student. I wanted to graduate with no debt because I wanted freedom. I wanted to be able to do whatever I wanted. But something Brock just brought up, um, the fact that now you're every single month you're left over with this bigger amount of cash it probably frees up different possibilities in your mind with what you could possibly do with that money. Yes. Whereas if you were, you know, if you were just like investing a little bit every single month, then once you've paid that mortgage off 30 years down the road, I mean, obviously that takes a long time, but also it's just a smaller amount that you have to play with on a month to month basis. And once it's in the investment account, there's really this compulsion not to take it out. Mm. So I suppose, you know, I don't want to like say that this makes it a better strategy than investing but it is it is a benefit that we haven't really explored before where if on a month-to-month scale you realize wow i've actually got twelve hundred dollars left over you could actually invest in a rental property within you know a year or so then you wouldn't have been able to do that before because you kind of psychologically think oh well that money's in the stock market i don't touch it etc yeah that's a great point um, having the chunks there is, is uh, certainly nice as, as looking at other opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's a lot easier to scratch together, you know, five grand now than if it was putting away an extra couple hundred dollars a month into, you know, some sort of cash reserve. Yeah. Yeah, I would feel really weird taking a bunch of money out of my mutual funds. But <laughs> if it's just like, oh, wow, I've got a bunch of extra money at the end of the month after all expenses are taken care of. Um, 
wow, what could I do with that? You know, having like done the numbers, I'm like retiring, how to retire and like trying to get everything to work. The, like the single biggest number really is what you spend. And mm-hmm. this kind of like gives me like flashbacks to the Mr. Money Mustache episode where him killing his mortgage was one of the biggest things that w- allowed him to reduce his expenses such that he could retire. So you could play the long game of trying to optimize every dollar, you know, and then you hopefully ramp up wealth to some insane rate down the line, but you could also just cut your expenses like a beast. Um, and then you don't need that much month coming in to, to tap out. Is, do you have plans for that or you're just kind of, yeah. Like what are, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So, um, it's kind of like, I want to be able to have that as an option one day. Um, I don't know what the, um, the, you know, the golden moment's going to be, you know, I think my wife wants to live somewhere coastal. Um, the other thing is in the short term, it helps knowing that we can make decisions and not have to have that hang over our head. Um, I actually chose to leave a job, uh, earlier this year because of a situation that I really didn't want to be a part of. Um, and there's a lot of other people that would have loved to have done the same, Mm. but they were pretty much tied to it because they depended on their money a lot more than I did having, you know, achieved this milestone and not having a mortgage over my head. Yeah. That's awesome. And at the end of the day, flexibility is really all that's important. You know, like your, your mental health. So, um, I think like we, it to a degree, like glazed over this like five year payoff piece, which was a large chunk of money. What, like, what did you do? How did you plan for it? And how'd you hold yourself accountable? Cause it's not a small amount of time or money. Um, right. So it was almost like a game and a challenge. Um, I showed you guys my amortization table. It's a free, you know, Excel download that Microsoft offered. I plugged in the numbers specific to, to our mortgage and I was able to do a lot of what if. So Mm -hmm. I copied that, that same spreadsheet of the actual over to a what if, and every month it it kind of like, okay, if I cut this expense or did that, I can get this extra amount of money. And you start seeing um, how quickly this can actually happen. Um, And I'd say we had anywhere from 2000 to like $3,500 extra every month. So, and that includes budgeting for the whole year for say life insurance, mm. um, any taxes, any, any big events. Like we had season tickets for basketball. It was like $1,200. Mm. Um, I broke that out over a whole year and there was kind of like a bucket in our bank account that anytime there was a big expense that was already accounted for. Okay. Um, so that way, if our excess each month was a lot more consistent than, you know, what we would have been if, you know, we wait for those big chunks right. to come in. Yeah. So that helped really with kind of sticking to, you know, setting that goal of like, okay, every month I want to put 2000 extra down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so putting that in each table, um, it was really stressful at first. Cause like, you know, seven years seems really far away. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you start seeing that momentum coming um, after like year one and two, like, oh, wow, I could do this, but I could also do it even faster. Yeah. I'm looking at your table now and you started pretty small. It looks like uh, yeah. just like an extra $400 you threw the first month at it. Uh, yep. w- what made you decide on these numbers? Because I'm looking at like obviously the scheduled payment is 
you know, it's going to be whatever it is, like $1,149. But then your extra payment, it's never like a nice even number. It's like 236808 or something like that. Like, yeah. is there, what makes you think oh, I'm going to throw an extra eight cents at it? So we basically would just clear out, um, you know, put away with the budgeted amount we needed for mm-hmm. the extra spending um, and make sure that our savings account was pretty much at that goal number, you know, for rainy day. So anything left at the end of the month pretty much went to the mortgage. So basically whatever's left over, it's just yeah. cleared out, throw out of the mortgage. Absolutely. What kind of, uh, what kind of budgeting system do you guys use then? Uh, so I use mint, but I found that using mint was also best if I broke everything down myself. So I, I also kept that in, um, in a spreadsheet and I could adjust it, you know, because daycare needs would change and stuff like that. So um, you were doing categorization in the spreadsheet yes. yourself as well. Okay. Absolutely. So you, uh, said that you had budgeted for the year so you could plan for big things like insurance, season tickets, uh, stuff like that. But you also said that you were like Dr. Spender in the relationship. So, <laughs> uh, and, and it sounds like you were doing the spreadsheet. So who was your cop? Like, did your wife like make you provide like monthly reports? <laughs> Interestingly, I she didn't make me, but I would provide her reports every few months, and um, she seemed to be happy with where we were going. She she just wanted to know that um, we were making progress mm-hmm. and that the rainy day fund was still at X amount. Mm-hmm. So you know that was typically in you know ten fifteen thousand dollars. Um, outside of that. She was fine. I, I learned to channel my um, my spending needs more into uh, Amazon Prime, like under $100 <laughs> guilty pleasures instead of big ticket items. Yeah. I feel like I'm a lot like you in our relationship with my girlfriend. Um, I am the big spender easily. Like Anna's got a hobby or two that requires money, but for like it's it's usually me. Like, oh, I need a new thing on my bike or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> I got to buy skis and season tickets for skiing and all that stuff. And then I'm also the guy doing all the spreadsheets. So luckily she doesn't hound me too much about it. So I don't seem to have a cop. I take it that in uh, your relationship, Andrew, you have to, I don't know, maybe communicate a little bit more with Laura about what you're buying. Well, okay. So, so I want to <laughs> explain us and then, cause I, I have a question on, on that exactly for you, Brock. So Laura and I are, neither of us really are spenders, but I, kind of am more on like experiences or food or drinks and so we try to hold each other accountable we both kind of suck at it but I think the fact that we don't really ever buy like things uh like we it it works out like there's only so much food you can eat and we constantly (laughs) challenge ourselves to eat more yeah you know (laughs) that is true you don't really buy a whole lot of stuff like I see you always you know going to Morocco or wherever the heck you go but yeah, I'm trying to feel like I'm trying to figure out what do you buy? So, so we don't really <laughs> Other than like going out to super expensive, at least in my perspective, restaurants in the city. So when you come next week, you'll notice there's even less in the apartment than when you came last year. Oh, really? Uh, but yeah, so, so we've like been selling stuff, so we don't really spend. And so that we don't have to keep each other accountable for that. It's more like, let's not go out to eat. Yeah. Um, Brock, for you, uh, how does that work with you guys? Because one, 
you have to come up with a joint budget. Two, you're kind of the spender. So how are you slipping in those sub one hundred dollar expenses? Like, are you planning for that? Like Brock yeah. weakness events? Yeah, <laughs> there's the prime um, budget. <laughs> yeah, we had, we had um, like personal spending as an item in the in the budget, and I'm sure to be a little bit more honest with that one. Um, and uh, over the years, in order to keep the relationship successful, I, I, I curbed those impulses, you know, a lot, lot more. So, um, clothing and stuff like that, we always kind of discuss together. Um, you know, do we need that? Do it's really, it's never a point of contention. Mm -hmm. It's just, you kind of audibly say it. And then if the other one say, okay, yeah, you, you do need that or that, you know, your shirts are looking ragged. Other yeah. than that, we, we kind of, um, you know, it was, we're in it together and, um, you know, just make sure you're doing the, the most prudent thing you can. Um, she was happy cause we were hitting the goals and I, you know, it snuck in a couple here and there. I told her, I, you know, my neighbor has a lot of cars he collects. I was like, I could be that guy. So. <laughs> that that's actually, yeah, that's how you calm your girlfriend down is you're just like, well, look at that guy over there. At least I don't yeah. <laughs> He's the worst. <laughs> and actually she does that with me. She like, uh, cause she, her hobby is like customizing dolls and I'm not like the most into dolls guy ever. And she's just like, well, here's this person who has 5,000 of them littering her entire apartment. At least I'm not that. So she'll like compare herself to she's other like, people. To Thomas, like, come, sit down, come sit down and watch an episode of Hoarders with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That wouldn't work out for me. <laughs> so I am curious, Brock. How did you – like were there any habit changes that you had to adopt or any – I don't know, any systems you had to put in place to sort of like – change the behaviors with the spending or did it just like switch overnight because of this goal for the mortgage? Um, the, the goal really drove it. Um, okay. I, I would stay up at night at first kind of thinking like, okay, how are we going to do this? How are we going to meet that? And then you start realizing, um, things you don't need and don't need to spend money on and how awesome, you know, achieving this goal is. And then you start looking back like, wow, my life's still fine. You know, it's, mm. We, you know, we still go out for a nice dinner. Um, you certainly weren't uh, roughing it, you know, by any means, but just, you know, yeah. being, being responsible about it. Like we have a lot of friends that they're out, you know, going to hundred, $200 dinners once or twice a week. And then at the same breath, they're complaining about how they can't afford to do this or that and credit card debt, stuff like that. And, you know, we knew being in a pretty good situation that, um, you know, we're, we're getting along just fine and don't feel a need to live a lifestyle that, you know, that is excessive. So, um, it, it certainly helped watching others mistakes as well. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does help. I found that a lot of times when you have a spending habit, um, there are other like little ancillary habits that kind of prop it up or make it hard to, to quit doing it. Mm. Like I'll notice sometimes that, Oh, I'm spending way too much on breakfast. And the reason is, not necessarily that I really want to go out and buy breakfast from uh, from Whole Foods or whatever. It's I wake up and the kitchen's dirty or we just don't wake up in time. So we have to ask ourselves, like, what what other habits do we have to change to kind of make time or make it easier to make breakfast in the morning or something like that? So if you don't want me asking what I'm just going to put you on the spot, what was your monthly budget uh, like? 
soup to nuts? And then what were you taking in after taxes? Like during this period? Um, Budget was, and now we keep in mind, we also had two kids during this period. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, our monthly expenses came in at about $5,000 average over that time. So that's more bare minimum mortgage, kids, like, and life and eating. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And yeah, the yearly, the big chunks were all averaged into that um, to make sure that we covered it. So we treated like we paid the big things and just put it into like a, a this middle bank account that we had. We had three bank accounts and it's pretty much where it stayed until that, that item would come up. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. But then what was your income during that period? Our income, it fluctuated. Um, my wife actually went down to part time at some point in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. part-time pharmacist is, you know, still a pretty solid job. Mm. Um, so I'll give her credit to <laughs> for having the foresight in college to pick a career that she could earn a decent wage and still, you know, be home a little bit more often for the children. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, our total, uh, gross income over that time, I'd say it averaged 200,000. So while she wow. went down, I went up a little bit. Well, I'm looking at your spreadsheet here, and so it says in 2015 you took a pay cut. Yes. But we're still you were still contributing like actually more on average extra to the mortgage uh, in 2015 than at any other time, except like maybe like this one-off you know huge payment in 2014. But yeah, 2015 you're you're contributing more per month than ever before. Yep. So I mean, how'd you guys make that work? So what happened there was we also agreed about halfway through all this, once we were comfortable that any surprise money or excess money went in, you know, directly to this. So we really didn't even touch it. And, um, she, my wife, she got laid off, had a severance and, um, that went in there and I was at a job previously where, um, we, we sold the company and I had some payouts coming and all those went directly into the mortgage too. Oh, okay. Not life changing amounts by any means. Yeah. Um, But, you know, we certainly applied all that. So, was that a payout that came month to month? Um, I had two yearly payouts, and then my wife's severance was in there too. So, gotcha. Okay. I see one payment for over $12,000, which is awesome. And many months worth of overpayments. Well, do you see the, the second to last one, Andrew? Yeah. Wow. That one's huge. Like, is that when you got a payout from the company being sold? No, the second to last one was. By the way, it's, it's those, about $30,000 just for. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the second to last one was we're this close and we have, you know, our rainy day fund and everything else. So I just kind of, you know, piled it up and said, let's get this done. Mm. Hit that five year target. Um, because you kind oh. of the idea. <laughs> Did you clear yeah. the rainy day fund out? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh oh! But you got <laughs> yeah. it into in five years, which now you can brag about for the rest of your life. Exactly. It's like <laughs> it's you know, <laughs> um, provided neither one of us uh, or both of us would lose our jobs that next day, uh, we were pretty comfortable knowing that hey, we don't have a mortgage and uh, let's <laughs> let's get this done. You could always get I a HELOC. That is somewhat. Yeah, I, when that's somewhat. Reverse. You yeah. could do a HELOC. I mean, it's somewhat risky clearing out your rainy day fund, mm. but. In this case, like, obviously, for the past five years, you had a running track record that said, okay, we've got 
you know, an extra four grand per month, we can throw to this, this mortgage. If the mortgage is gone, well, now you can build that rainy day fund back up in a month or two. Exactly. So, and since you both are employed, it's, it's not so likely for every for something bad to happen. So yeah, personally, I, I probably wouldn't clear my rainy day fund out, but <laughs> I also didn't have a five-year mortgage goal. So yeah, I don't might have jumped the gun, but we're comfortable that uh, unemployment would cover our, our expenses if the world came crashing to a halt shortly okay. after. Yeah, well, it paid off because so, now it's it's gone. You can tell the story. It looks <laughs> like most months you're over contributing about two and a half to three and a half thousand dollars to your mortgage before the end when you went like nuts on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So assuming you have roughly that amount floating around, what are you doing with it? Right now, um, setting some stuff up for the kids and we're going to celebrate a little bit and go to Disney. Um, so <laughs> that, that's well, certainly more it. expensive. That, <laughs> was, that was a lot of focus. When you say setting things up for the kids, what do you mean? Um, getting, um, the padding up the college funds a little bit more. So we we're doing a couple hundred dollars a month before, mm-hmm. and we certainly want to get a head start on that. And they're they're four years old and, and four and three, mm-hmm. so we want to get that caught up. And then we, you know we also did some stuff around the house. Um, what about your couch. retirement? Retirement. Um, so with our new jobs, we just basically bumped up the. Uh, 401k contributions again. Mm-hmm. So actually my wife was maxing out pretty much most of that period. Um, but I was at a startup, so I didn't even have that as an option. And, um, in my new situation I do. So that's certainly getting uh, beefed up and just really, you know, kind of starting to experience the, uh, the benefits of that now mm. where the money is free and really kind of making a plan for where it's going to go in the future. What are the plans coming up in the future once you have the college funds set where you want them? Uh, short term, we need a little, little bit of a remodel in the basement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Long term, and you know, kind of starting to look into some ways to keep some of this money earning, but yet liquid enough to, you know, hey, if we do d- decide to do this early, um, it's not going to be in a penalty situation. This early, you so, mean like retire, like tap out right, right. in like 10 years from now or something. Oh, Correct. Okay. so you're kind of toying with the idea of early retirement? Toying with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like I toy with that idea, not so much in the form of just like, I want to retire and, you know, play golf every day or something, but just like do whatever you want, even if it's work. Mm but not have it be tied to your, you know, living and eating expenses and things like that. Exactly. Yeah, I like that idea. You know, you say you're to- toying with the idea, but I think that it's actually easier to do than pay off this mortgage. Like the, the commitment <laughs> and the amount you had to put towards this. That was commendable, man. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. It, it um, it was certainly a challenge and you got to turn it into a game. You know, if you're going to set a goal like that, um, and then without having a spreadsheet, it, it would never happen because I had to do that. What yeah. if, what if, mm. um, cause it's really easy when you, you know, have a couple thousand dollars extra at the end of each month to allocate that to a lot of things that are a lot more fun and satisfying in the short term. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's kind of making me wonder about like early debt payoff in terms of like mortgage and stuff. Cause it sounds like you had fun with the project and it kind of gave you like this really cool goal to work towards. And 
I don't know about you, Andrew, but with investing, like, do you ever feel like there's some really cool goal that you're, you're like racing towards? Cause for me, it's just like, I'm just putting money in there and I, there's going to be some <laughs> big amount in the future that hopefully is enough. So I, I don't, <laughs> and uh, it actually, it actually worries me because the, like the accumulation phase is awesome and fun and the number goes up. But that day when I have to start drawing from it, it, it's like so far in the future, but I'm already nervous that whatever <laughs> the number will be, it will get smaller. So yeah. um, I really like the idea of optimizing um, your expenses. Just kind of like freeze your mind. Yeah, exactly. I feel like I have done the opposite of that moving here, though. <laughs> <laughs> you were Mr. Uh, Frugal for a while. Yeah, I mean, I was living with roommates and stuff at the, all the time. Mm. I would say that I'm not that frugal anymore. And I don't feel like I've ever been mentally frugal. It just was like kind of a consequence of wanting to live with roommates and, and do that kind of thing. Right, right. Um, I've always just been like the kind of person who's like, well, if I want to buy something or want to live a certain way, I'm just going to go out and make more money and do it. And it has worked out so well or well so far. Um, for me, it's just like log into the net worth tracker once every few months and just make sure that things are going up. Otherwise, mm -hmm. If it's not, then there's a problem and we need to figure out what it is. So Brock, um, you had two kids over the course of the time that you had this mortgage. Um, I am complete, I'm blissfully unaware as to the actual cost of having kids, keeping them alive and all that stuff. Uh, what did you learn and how did that affect your plans? <laughs> One thing I learned is don't fall into the trap of buying everything new. Mm. Um, if, you know, typically you have friends that are ready and willing to get rid of stuff. And you mean uh, like clothes for the kids and stuff like that? Yes. Mm. Yes. Clothing, furniture, all that. So, you know, we had the baby shower, we got plenty of nice new things, but outside of that, um, I'd say most of the clothes came in, um, were, from friends that were more than happy to give them to us mm. and we were more than happy to take it. So, and we did that, you know, paid it forward and got those in the hands of somebody else. Um, cause a lot of times it's a three month, you know, item to have, and then you got to pass it on. Yeah. Um, they wear so it like three times or something cause they're growing yeah. so fast. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was one thing we learned was definitely, don't be buying new all the time. Mm -hmm. And if it's a, if it's not closed, but something physical, it will be destroyed in some fashion. <laughs> so don't get too invested into, you want everything to look fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other was just, you know, the food cost wasn't shocking. It's just that the whole diaper and formula and all that extra stuff. And then um, also saving for them. Um, so since you had like such um, a detailed budget and you were really focused on like sticking to that, what did two kids cost you roughly a month? Um, I th the key was when they started daycare, mm. uh, that that's basically a thousand dollars a month. And wow, that actually sounds good. Even I've well, heard that's, a lot that's of a, terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a benefit of, you know, having my wife work part time. So that's that certainly good. <laughs> yeah. My mom I mean, did daycare like all of my teenage years and I know what she charged per week. It was like $125. Wow. 
And she's amazing at daycare. So might be cheaper to fl- if one Laura and I have kids to fly them out to your mom so she could take care of them. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So daycare, and then other than that, it was pretty much like a uh, five hundred dollar budget. So two fifty per kid. Um, okay. It's seemed to work. You know, stuff like the kids stuff that kind of grouped that with some of the personal expenses and and food expenses and. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as we weren't going over, uh, you know, kept that number pretty much where it was. And was that, so that's $1,500 a month. Is that like, uh, not really trying super hard to make it low? Yeah. Yeah. That was being, that was being generous. Okay. I mean, daycare was pretty consistent, but yeah. um, So is that just a factor of being in a bigger city then? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's also kind of giving them their fair share of the expenses because we were trying to track it as what was the addition. So, you know, the grocery bill prior to having kids versus having kids, we try to keep that into that, their bucket. Um, oh, they, so course, you're like, you're, you're looking at your grocery bill and you're kind of like chopping a bit off of it and saying, this is kid budget. Yeah. Yeah. More out of curiosity too, for exactly why you're asking like, what, what does this do to our plans and you know, how does it change it? How do, like, is that easy to do once you get kind of past the infant phase? I mean, I assume when you're, when you have an infant, you're giving them, I don't know, baby food and stuff like that. But as soon as they're old enough to eat whatever is cooked for the family, then I don't know. You're like, do you know that we, we consumed one bag of potatoes per week before the kids and now it's 1.5 or something like that. Basically, we just got to keep track of um, how many bags of chicken nuggets and uh, goldfish we bought because that's what all kids eat. <laughs> yeah, it, actually, to go on Thomas's question further, so I always think that like, well, when we have kids, we're not going to be doing this, that, and the other thing, and so it's going to kind of like even out. So before you said it was like five thousand a month, I don't know if that was like before kids, during kids, average. But did you see your overall spending go up? Like, did it kind of account for it? Did you never go out so you saved? It yeah, it definitely kind of it balanced out to pretty much back to where we were before. Um, because like I said, we we weren't out buying all the clothes and hmm. equipment and all that stuff. And you notice that you're not going out for that nice dinner on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's creeping back up because they're at an age where they can and going out to a nice dinner costs you that. And then it also costs another $10 an hour to have someone come take care of them. <laughs> oh yeah. So, um, and they're getting near the age where you're going to have to start paying like sports fees. If yep. they're going to do like a league or swimming lessons, start wanting like a billion dollars for a field trip or something. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my mom was all, like every time I had to come home and be like, mom, I need this for a field trip. She's like, I already pay so much to school. Why do they want more? <laughs> so when yeah, I look we got on like a budget scale. Schools don't get that much a lot of the time. True. So I kind of understand it from their perspective. Uh, you brought up a good point earlier about the, uh, the net worth tracker. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, oh, that yeah, is cheap. Yeah. Um, I linked everything up in mint and that number helped keep sanity. Because like you said, it's you're kind of you're giving up investing for killing debt, and yes. the nice thing about either strategy is you can watch that number rise. That is true, yeah. So because it, it's always nice to see my little debt column go down, 
every uh, every few months when I go update it. Yep. So, so that being said, you started this journey at what? And after you paid it off, what were you at roughly? You know, net worth wise. Net, net worth um, started in probably the low hundreds, and uh, we're pretty close to that magical number of hitting a you know a million. So badass man yeah <laughs> so that that starts the goal you know the secondary goal of this of you know hitting that magic number before age 40 mm. so that that was also part of the longer term plan um where you know if we're gonna pay off debt and forego dumping it all into investments um we still want to track towards that magic number by age 40. and so you say a million's a magic number then what is like the super magic number where you're like done and you uh, just like the, walk the, off into the sunset? The tap out number. Um, <laughs> I've had a couple friends that are uh, in finance and we've all agreed based on cost of living in Pittsburgh and the way we grew up and the way we live now is $4 million. What did you say your um, your monthly expenses were at this point again? Uh, now it's about like $4,000. Okay, so that's forty eight thousand a year, roughly. Yes. I feel like I mean four million would be quite a bit higher than what you actually need. Yeah, it certainly. I mean that's that's also tap out before like age fifty or you know forty five. Um, that's true. You the, have a longer drawdown. Yeah. It says yeah. here. Okay, so if we're going by the four percent rule, it'd be one point two million. Uh, you could take forty eight thousand out every year from that and it would still grow or stay the same at 1.2 million. Yeah. The, the, so like what, what is, what is the extra, um, you know, 2.8 million for just like security or security kids and, um, drugs, uh, <laughs> trucks, <laughs> uh, a, a bad IPA habit and, um, you know, coastal <laughs> living, hopefully <laughs> Andrew knows that <laughs> when you say coastal living, are you, are you thinking like, like San Diego or LA or like, like New York city, um, Eastern shores of either Maryland or North Carolina. Okay. Gotcha. What makes you want to go there? Um, stay close enough to Pennsylvania. Um, but my wife would love to retire at the beach one day. That would be pretty awesome. Sounds like you're on track to do it, man. I mean, We're trying. It does, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're way ahead of schedule. Uh, that's awesome. Congrats, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, man. The beach sounds pretty good to me too. <laughs> Being from Iowa, I've always want, like wondered what it's like to live near an ocean. I always like try to tell myself, "Oh, it's probably not that cool once you're there," but it seems super cool. And uh, being in Colorado, like the feeling hasn't really changed. <laughs> I still wish I could go to the ocean. Uh, and how old are you now, Brock? Thirty-six. Thirty-six. Cool. Well, you're well on your way. And now that mortgage mortgage is crushed, so you can just do tons and tons of saving. Yeah, absolutely. You're almost making me want to uh, crush my car loan faster. <laughs> like we we've talked about it on the show before, it's like two and a half percent. I've been I've been putting like an extra two hundred dollars just for posterity's sake, uh, past the minimum. But I don't know. Maybe I should just get rid of it. How much you have left? I think six thousand dollars left principal. Ah, oh, just so finish it, dude. I could just finish it. Well, the other thing is, um, I keep doing all these hiking trips, and we keep realizing like a lot of the trailheads are on these really, really bad roads that are just dirt. They're just full of giant potholes, 
And um, so I went and hiked Pike's Peak the other weekend with my friend and we took his SUV and we're on the road. And I was like, I don't think my car could have actually done this road. <laughs> so part of me is like, man, at some point I might need an SUV if I'm going to keep doing all this Colorado stuff. So <laughs> I need to pay off that car. So if I sell, there's actually something I get for it. <laughs> Uber, I don't man, or Zipcar. <laughs> I don't think they have Uber Trailhead, though that is the name they should use for it. And they can steal that idea from me because I would love to be able to Uber to the Trailhead. Mm. And if, Well, actually, you know, the one thing we were thinking is we got to the top of Pikes Peak and there's a road that goes all the way to the top. And we're sitting up there. We're just like, I really wish Uber came to the top of Pikes Peak so we could just get a ride back down. We didn't want to go back down, but we had to. Anyway, I don't know. I'll look into it. We'll have to see. There's part of me that's like, oh, you're going to be giving up gains in the market, man. True that. Giving up so much, leave money on the table. But I don't know. I'd never really thought about it in terms of like, number one, having that really cool goal to be tracking every month like Brock was mm. doing. But two... Now you have this bigger pool of money at the end of the month. To I can see make how it could give you so much more focus and determination than like towards this nebulous retirement yeah. thing. Yeah, and yeah, like I mean, it's not the only way to do it. You know, like I mean, and to, I think you mentioned earlier that you might be looking into real estate at some point. Yeah, yeah. You know, we um, talked about how you got to do a down payment and a mortgage and all that kind of stuff, and you could obviously save up money in a mutual fund and then take it out to make your down payment. But if you're in your situation and it's like, you know, six grand at the end of every month, I could start saving up. Well, you've got a down payment on a small house within three months. Yeah. And the key that you're, you're starting to move towards the other fact of, you know, where everyone that says should have invested it. I can promise you that if we had three or $4,000 building up every month, that not all of that would have got invested. It would have got blown on some things that we'd regret. That's <laughs> um, true. <laughs> so yeah, it's not dollar for dollar um, of what went on the mortgage would have been invested. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's <laughs> certainly a, a you know great byproduct or thing, you know, or something people don't realize whenever you know they're making that argument. Yeah. And um, the other thing about that is if you're putting all that. In the into uh, the market. Sorry, I'm losing my train of thought on this one. <laughs> Are you saying that like uh, you could have been putting it in, and then you know something happens and it just crashes and. Right, right, and then well, what I, the other thing I was going to say is the good habits we learned from doing this mm. over five years um, actually are habits that stick. So. It was like Going a financial to, responsibility boot camp. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this big challenge actually puts those habits into place that makes you a better investor going forward. Exactly. Um, yeah, we didn't get into any any bad habits that are going to last 20 years. We got into great habits that will last 20 years and that the extra money will definitely be extra money instead of, you know, we're out buying, you know, top of the line cars and clothes and stuff like stuff like that. So. Yeah, I like absolutely. that. I absolutely agree with that. Putting a big I'm certainly win not, belt. Yeah, I'm yeah. not fanatical about my investing at all. I mean, it, it's become a little less so because um, I invest more money into my company than into the stock market these days. And maybe you're the same way at this point, Andrew. Mm. But even that set aside, there's like, okay, I'll put a certain amount into the market and there's certainly more that could be put in there 
that I end up spending on going out to eat or, you know, whatever random crap. Uh, it had, had I had a very intense goal like you had, uh, I don't think I'd be doing those things. So maybe I'll just crush that car loan. <laughs> Do it, dude. <laughs> All right. Sweet. Well, Brock, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for telling me. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. You have altered my perspective. I was a pretty, like, staunch against uh, mortgage acceleration, but I have some some additional perspectives on it now, so I'm sure our audience does as well. It is possible to live in in a major city for under 500 a month. I mean... Under yeah. five hundred a month. Well, it was like four hundred something dollars. Is his uh, property taxes divided by twelve? It was like forty. Oh, or... you mean like now that the mortgage is gone? Yeah, which yeah. is that's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Definitely better than what I have to pay out here. <laughs> anyway, guys. So if you have questions on mortgage debt acceleration, anything else, listen, money matters at gmail.com is our email address. Once again, so let us know your thoughts. Let us know what you would like to hear about in future episodes. Uh, Brock, thanks again for coming on the show. It's been awesome talking with you. Awesome. And, thanks, guys. Uh, let's see here. ListenMoneyMatters.com slash toolbox is where you can find all of our favorite tools and resources, including a link to Mint. If you do want to start tracking and budgeting, things like that. It's a great tool for that. Um, anything else that you mentioned? That's all, awesome. Sweet. All right. Well, thank you for listening. And we will see you guys all in the next episode. Later. Later, dude. Please tell your friends about this show.